Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forgotten Football Club's podcast. I am your host for this evening, Rory Bryce, and I'm flying solo on this evening's show. There's no Phil with me tonight because we're going to be recording a couple of feature episodes. I think we said this quite some time ago, to be fair, but just with everyone's schedules, it's been a little uh, a little difficult to arrange. But I'm joined instead tonight by our blog manager, editor-in-chief, head of the blog, Commandant, whatever you'd like to call him, Dave Proudlove. Dave, how's it going? And all, all good, mate. All good. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me along for a chat. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. It's it's been one that I've been really excited to have for quite some time, Dave. Uh, obviously, getting you on board for it's not really my blog; it was Phil's blog. But you know, it, it was big, and we could see from your prior experience that you were going to do. Um, you were going to bring a lot of experience and a lot of really great ideas to the board, and you've done that so far. So. Basically, just for our listeners, the point of these uh, sort of shorter episodes is just going to be introduce the other going to be to introduce sorry the other guys that are on our team. So, obviously, myself and Phil deal with the podcast. Phil writes the book or wrote the book, I should say. He started the blog. Uh, we've got yourself, Dave. We've got Vincent. We've got Chris. We've got Srishiran, uh, and we've got Krishna and um, Graham as well. Now all on the blog too. So the the team's fair grown, and we've got our own little group chat. We we talk about football quite often, you know. Um, a lot of people are quite busy at the moment, so uh, you know that comes up as well. But we've wanted to get these featured episodes out for a while, just so we can talk about you guys and what kind of things you've done in the past, why you love football, who you support, all the fun stuff. So, why don't you kick us off, Dave? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm born and bred in in Stoke, um, and uh, as a result, I, I developed this terrible affliction called supporting Stoke City. Uh, I've, I've had this affliction for, for over 40 years um, and, you know, it, some good times, lots of bad times, but I wouldn't change any of it. Uh, although uh, one thing I could have changed, it would have been beating Manchester City in the 2011 FA Cup final. But hopefully if they uh, if they get clobbered through financial fair play and they start taking trophies of them, we might get it. By default, but uh, you know, uh, 2011 one, uh, 2011 FA Cup winners with an asterisk. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, football wise, I, but I, you know, although uh, you know, I'm a big Stoke supporter, and that'll never change. Um, a sort of little bit of disillusionment with with sort of modern football at the the the, the top table and. For the last oh, 13 years, I've been involved in the, the semi-pro game uh, and I'm vice chairman of All Sager Town, uh, who uh, compete in the Northwest Counties Football League. Uh, we, uh, we've we had our ups and downs while, while I've been there. We're not, uh, we, 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 we've not had a, a great few seasons uh, in recent times, but the, the, the guys that we've got in, we brought in the, into the club last, uh, last October done a great job so far. We've had a, a good pre-season so far. Uh, season starts next weekend, and I'm I'm quietly confident that uh, that that would be looking good. Mm. Um, so aside from the, the the football supporting, if you like, uh, obviously I, I I write a few words here and there on, on the game and have done for for a long time, uh, including um, book when the circus leaves town. Yeah, which uh, which came out last year and it's it's done okay and you know uh, not not so much bothered about the sales really but because it, it seems to have had a, a really nice reaction. Um, yeah, that's you know, the thing. Of, I remember when yeah. 
when Phil first said, oh, you know, um, I'm going to be speaking to this guy called Dave Proudlove um, to help take over the blog, I thought to myself, I recognise that name. And then I actually remembered that about a year before that, I'd actually message you on Twitter from my own account asking about your book because I planned to use it in my dissertation, which I was doing on heritage and football at the time. So it's just, it's interesting how the community kind of goes around in that circle and it's very self-sustaining. But uh, When the Circus Leaves Town is an excellent book and I would highly recommend uh, our listeners to to go and pick up a copy. More or less explores the, the themes between place attachment, uh, locations, what happens to a support when a team moves from its traditional home Um you know, it's very, very interesting topics. Does that sum it up quite well, Dave? It does, yeah. I mean, I obviously I, I've had a you know, I had a great attachment to Stoke's old place and you know, there was a, obviously a you know, a, a theme around Stoke and the old place and the relationship with my dad. Uh but actually I actually got the idea for the book. Um back in a former life, I worked for the the government's urban regeneration agency, and I worked on the redevelopments of Manchester City's old ground, the main road. Uh, and I just thought, oh, you know, you see all the change, and they've gone to East Manchester, and I thought, well, oh, this would be this would be a good subject matter for a book. And then I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> uh, and then I I wrote an article about Stoke's old ground for uh, Duck magazine and. Uh, Stoke fanzine, which sadly I'll be calling it a day in September. Um, and I thought about it again. I thought, oh, great idea, but didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, um, ended up um, doing something about it during lockdown. I'd, I'd lost some work, uh, and obviously could only go out the house an hour a day and all that, all that malarkey. Um, but, so but yeah, it was malarkey is the correct word for it. Um, only like yeah. exercise within, however, miles of your own house and stuff. An hour, that's it, you know. And Carl, my uh, my 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 old friend, uh, he uh, we 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 used to speak to each other every day. Either he'd ring me or I'd ring him. What are you up to today? Then, uh, oh, I might walk for half an hour up the road and back again, sort of thing. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I told him about the, the, the book. I'd been encouraged to approach Pitch Publishing. And he just said, well, what are you waiting for then? Get on with it. Um, and, he, and he kept on at me. He kept on. So I, I thought, I'd better do it. Just shut him up. So I, I made a submission to them. And they came back really, really quickly and said, we like this and asked me to write a sample chapter did that and they took it um which was a bit daunting in some respects because we we still weren't properly out of the covid lockdown measures and i'm thinking shit i've got to write a book and i've got to get to these places and yeah how am i going to do that (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's a bit of a conundrum isn't it Yeah, but uh, but yeah, managed it and um, it, it turned out really well. Um, got another no, another book in the pipeline now for them. So yeah, uh, all good, all good. But um, yeah, you know, it's um, I've I've had some interesting times thanks to football. Um, and I blame my dad for that. <laughs> I think that's something we can all say, and I think that's what I love most about. Uh, what you've just explained there, Dave, and a kind of snapshot of you know how you got into football and all the different things you've done. It's um, all these things are because of football, and even through the urban development side of things, there was still an element of football there. I find it so fascinating that you got to work on on developing uh, like Main Road 
um, and be involved in that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I um, I started working uh, for the for the government in in two thousand and six, um, and we were heavily involved in the the regeneration of Moss Side following the decision for for Manchester City to move, uh, and um, our our agency um, put a hell of a lot of money into that site to to to, to help to to clear it, demolish the, the old stadium and prepare it ready for, for development. And uh, I sort of, uh, the, 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 the housing development that, that um, has taken its place, um, sort of, it, it got going really heavily at a bad period of time because the financial crash happened in, in 2008 uh, and the, the scheme stalled. Ultimately, the developer went bust. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, there's a there's a story in 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 the book about an incident that happened on on, on the side. A, a young girl called Samelia Campbell, um, unfortunately died uh, on the site, and there's a little memorial uh, for her um, on on the site. Uh, it was it was it was a it was a difficult one. It was it was horrible. You know, um, she she was five years old. You know, and uh, yeah, it was a it, it, it was a terrible time for, for, for her family. Um, but uh, it was seeing the change was, you know, it was incredible. Um, you know, the, the amount of pubs that were in, in, in Moss side, I mean, it wasn't just Manchester city leaving that led to the pub closures because the, the culture and the, and the dynamics of the neighborhood contributed to it as well. Um, but um you know, other small businesses that, that, that disappeared, you know, that were sustained by, by the football club being there. I mean, the, the hope was, obviously, yeah, football club there and 30-odd thousand people there every other week. That's great. We we put over 350 houses on, on the site. The hope being, well, you know, 350 households there you know, permanently, as opposed to, you know, football supporters just turning up every other week would 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 contribute to um, sustaining some, some of that. But having said that, I mean, I I went back to, well, obviously when I did the book, I went back to, to, to the, the Moss side for the first time in probably 10 years. Uh, and, you know, the, it, it's, the, the, the place has matured. Well, the, the, the thing that I love the most about it, there's... We designed this central green space. Nice. Uh, and, you know, um, you go on housing estates these days and you see no ball game signs and what have you. Yeah. Kids play football on that green space. That's what and that's about. the thing. That's the thing I love most about it. I, you know, go there. There was, there was, there was like four traffic cones on the, on the green space. So you, obviously, you know what they're there for. You think, and and you can see where the grass has been worn down, and I thought, fantastic, you know, yeah, it comes full circle. It comes full circle. Yeah, modern modern setting, but kids there playing football. You know, it reminded me the the village I grew up in, just north of uh, Tunstall in Stoke on Trent. Um, We we had a little village green. It's like the the heart of the village was four terrace streets uh, and village green, and we hammered that place playing football absolutely same principle just in a a modern context I I thought it's fantastic to see 
Yeah, no, it is fantastic. And I, I love that as well. It's, you know, as I've said before, one of my interests is going to, not so much going to, but looking at old maps, seeing where old grounds would have been of Scottish clubs, both former and current. And then seeing how the places that have sprung up, sprung up around and over them have adopted their names. Uh, it's all about place names and, and you know, how that kind of evolved because of urbanisation and stuff like that. It can be really, really difficult at times, but you never know. Maybe in 50 years' time, there'll be lines drawn on that green space and then eventually there'll be, you know, maybe a little stand and stuff like that. People will start bringing seats. It comes full circle and it's it's amazing when you look at these old maps, you see how close modern football grounds are to grounds that are not connected with the team or if there's just a little you know football ground in a play park how close that was to a football ground that was built upon over 100 years ago really really fascinating yeah that i mean it's funny you should mention old maps i mean i i i love maps always have done and uh, <laughs> i've i've got um uh, i think it's alan garner that produces them i've got Every old map you can get of of, of Stoke on Trent, uh, and part of the you know work on the book, you know, I've 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 also got this app on my phone. Nice. Old, I can't remember what the app's called, but it, it's all old maps, mm-hmm. uh, and that that took some hammer as well. When, <laughs> when <I was> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that work obviously led you and and kind of inspired you in some ways eventually to write when the circus leaves town. So. Tell us a little bit, you've, you know, you've spoken about when you were writing it during COVID. Uh, obviously, it must have been difficult going around these different places and, and, and trying to get a sense of it when you couldn't physically be there. But why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, when you were writing it, what you were doing, what you were feeling, the kind of lessons that you took from it and the kind of things that you learned while you were writing it as well? Because obviously, even when you're writing a book and you're imparting all this knowledge from pen to paper, you're still learning quite a few things yourself, especially if you're going out in the field and exploring. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the 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 thing for, for me, although it's you know, and, and most people view it as a football book, football related book. For me, um, it, it became more about the places that that sustain the clubs, um, and I, I actually feel it, it's more about place rather than than, than football. Uh, and yeah, and that's think, important. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on as well. It's not just about the football; it's also about the place, the surrounding, and the heritage of the place as well. And if you can get it right, it can make a fantastic and a really powerful football team. I think you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, I mean, I I I think um, it, it's it's so so important in the relationship between the game and and places. Uh, I think it, it's it's a theme that probably. Uh, is hasn't been explored as much as it it, it could be. Um, I mean, I suppose I'm taking advantage of that a little bit with with, with the, the the new book, um, which is about works teams and how they they've evolved and you know the the story. Obviously, Manchester United are the world's biggest works team, if you if you like, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I ju- I just think there's a, a a thread there that really is worth exploring because it, mm. it tells it tells you so much about um, places and 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 people um, and mm. yeah you know, I I think uh, we we forget that at our our peril really uh, and you know particularly when you look at you know sort of ownership patterns of, of Premier League football clubs these days and 
you know, down here. Um, and, you know, the the roots of, of these clubs are, are, some, are something else. Uh, and I, 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 I think sometimes when you look so at where, when you look where new stadiums are being built and developed, they don't care about the history of the area. They don't care about the people as long as it's a, a space that's developable. And they don't care about the people who live in that space either. We're seeing more and more now communities being pushed out, houses being demolished and people being forced to move because of stadium expansions and then stadium buildings. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean the, 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 it, it was quite understated. but uh, And yeah. I know Liverpool supporters could be quite defensive about it, but the decline in the Anfield area um, a lot of that was actually caused by by the club buying up, um, you know, terraced housing uh, in the streets around Anfield, uh, obviously with a view to to expanding the place. Yeah. And obviously, once they once they acquired a house, they left it empty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then another, and then all of a sudden, you, you you know, you've got streets where there's maybe, you know, only two houses occupied, and it becomes quite, you know. Uh, not an attractive place to be, let's say. Yeah, um, local people can't get housing, migrant families can't get housing, refugee families can't get housing, homeless people can't get housing yet. And again, I, th- I think you're spot on. It's understated football grounds, you know, you, you or football teams, sorry, you don't think about them because everyone thinks, oh, if these houses are lying empty, it must be the government or it must be the developer. But yeah. PLC, football PLCs, they'll own just as much with the aim of expanding. So... Yeah, I mean, I I think to 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 be fair to Liverpool, I think in more recent times they've they've learned a a, a bit of you know where they've you know maybe gone wrong and let down their community. Uh, I mean, my my take on it, football clubs have a responsibility, um, you know, to, to to the communities in which in which they're based, um, and you know, hopefully you'd like to because they still got. You know, aspirations to expand Anfield further, um, that they 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 learn a bit about where they where they went wrong previously. I mean, the the, the big, I mean, it, it's perhaps not going to be so much of an impact on residential community, but obviously Manchester United's, um, I, you know, who knows what they're going to do with Old Trafford, um, but the you know the upheaval involved will be enormous. You know, huge costs involved, and I mean one of the. When you mentioned earlier on about, uh, you know, we're talking about place and when teams move, the, the chapter in my dissertation that I actually cited your book on, uh, it was a case study on Clyde Football Club. Now, for our listeners who aren't in, uh, who aren't interested into the um, the dregs of Scottish football, shall we say, uh, Clyde have had a bit of decline in recent years. They were pretty much a uh, old first division, second division yo-yo team in stalwart. Uh, famously, they beat Celtic 2-0 or 2-1 in a Scottish Cup round tie quite some time ago. Don't like to remember it, so I'm not going to go over all the specific details. Um, But they are historically a big team. And with the name Clyde, they were historically rooted in Glasgow, roughly around Rutherglen in the Shawfield area. So they started off in Battlefield in the late 1800s, which was a stadium or a ground, sorry, used by loads of clubs that came through. And then they eventually moved to Shawfield. Now, Shawfield, Shawfield is now uh, not a ruin. You can go and explore it, but it is locked. Someone is still keeping the green for it. Uh, my friends went quite recently. Uh, but the surrounding stadium is, is a mess, uh, as it was used as a Greyhound track. But Clyde were at Broadfield for, uh, sorry, Shawfield for a number of years. And then 
the stadium said you know they started to develop it so they moved around for quite a while and the development of the stadium eventually fell through basically it collapsed so you had one generation of Clyde fans who were brought up from the beginning of the 1900s into you know the 1950s and the 1960s when the slum clearances of Glasgow happened and their historic home for Clyde was Shawfield and then you have a generation of supporters from the 60s roughly onward who know Clyde as a nomadic club they jumped around different grounds quite a lot. Um, I think Hamilton and Alloa, maybe not Alloa, but definitely Hamilton. And eventually they moved into Broadwood, which is in Cumbernauld. It's not even in Cumbernauld, actually. It's kind of outside Cumbernauld. Quite some way, quite some distance away from where the home was in Rutherglen. It's oh, yeah. maybe 15 miles or so. Um, there's nothing around it. And I mean, literally nothing, barely any shops, barely any pubs, barely any houses. Some new bills have just sprang up and it's a completely empty soul of stadium. They rented that from the council. So then you have a whole generation of fans who've grown up watching Clyde and Broadwood because they were there for um, 20 years roughly. And then they got kicked out last year after they signed uh, um, a player who had been charged with in a civil court for raping someone. So you know, I, I feel like that was uh, I feel like that was just punishment maybe not fair, I think they, they should have got hammered a little bit more for that, but that's just my own view uh, and now they're back to sharing with Hamilton again and people are saying, you know, when's this going to end? They were supposed to move into a new setting at Crown Point in Glasgow, it looks like that's not going to go ahead, so now you're going to have these different generations of Clyde fans who have a completely different home for where the club should be, and I find it really, really interesting, but really quite sad as well Yeah, I mean, I did I can relate to that. Um, although, obviously, you know, I kick things off with my Stoke supporting at the Victoria ground. We moved to Brit. Um, my, my son, Dylan, um, he, he comes to the football with me. Um, and um, obviously, he he only he, he's only ever known Stoke at the Britannia Stadium. Um, I know it's the Bet365 now, but I'll always call it the Britannia. Um but um, you know, there is a, there's a whole generation of, of Stoke supporters that know nothing other than Britannia Stadium. You know, this this the Victoria Ground. I, I, I suppose the beauty of the internet is, you know, they you find out anything about about the place. But it's it's kind of like this mythic, you know, thing that the oldies, uh, you know, go on about. Oh, you know, the old place was better, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it was. <laughs> you know, it was better. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the, but I mean, the, the what what is interesting though about about Stoke and the Britannia Stadium? I mean, when when we first moved there, it was it, it's fair to say it took us quite a while to settle. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad never really, he, he you know, my dad had watched Stoke anywhere to be fair, but um, he he didn't really take to it. Uh, I mean, we we had huge problems with ticketing when we we first moved up there. And so supporters who may have grouped together on the old booth and end or other parts of the old ground, it's sort of dispersed all over the place. So um, when, when we were at the Victoria ground, my dad and myself used to stand with a group of friends in the same place every single game. Yeah. Uh, but they, they were season ticket holders. We weren't, we, we used to just, you know, to uh, just, I used to work on Saturdays and things like that. So it it was, you know, right, can I get out of work on time? Can mm. I, you know, can I get a day? Oh, shit, they want me to work late. This, you know. So I'll just turn up and pay on the day. Or, you know, if it's an all-ticket match, I'll, I'll, I'll work something out. 
Um, moving to the Brit was completely different. We couldn't do that. Uh, we had to plan in advance. Uh, and if we could get a ticket near them, great. But more often than not, we didn't. So what my dad used to do at half time, he'd, 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 he'd wander around to where they were set, stand with them for 15 minutes, have a natter, then walk back again. Um, but, um, you know, the, the atmosphere went, the, the atmosphere at the old place was really intense uh, every game. Great, great atmosphere at the Vic. Um, but the atmosphere dropped. Um, but I always said, you know, ultimately the atmosphere at a football ground depends on what happens on the pitch. And as if to prove it, you know, when Stoke got into the Premier League, that place turned into an absolute cricket. I mean, a, 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 you know, cliche, it turned into a bear pit. Yeah. You know, I mean, um... it was. I mean that, that, that first season in the Premier League, I died. I was involved in, in semi-pro football by then, so it was like, you know, hit and miss getting down there. But the Man City game at home um, was... I, I've never experienced anything like the noise I experienced. Apparently, we, there was a... We... Uh, I, I talk about it in the book. Rory Delap got sent off early yep. doors. I think uh, I very, very vaguely remember this game. Vaguely. Yeah, uh, and we um, we we took the lead just before half time, and it was like second half proper backs to the wall stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with about ten minutes left, Craig Bellamy missed an absolute city for Man for Man City, and the players looked to a man dead on the feet. They, they, you know, it, it almost felt like you know what, it, it's going to happen. They're they're going to score sooner or later, mm-hmm. um, but. 80th minute it was, this roar started. Uh, I, I Apparently, um, it was as loud as a jumbo jet taking off. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the, I don't know if it's true, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the Tony Wilson yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely, you'll take so, it, you'll take the myth. Between fact and legend, always print the legend, so I'll we'll take the legend. But, um, you know, the, my point being, yeah, the atmosphere was crap when we first went to Britannia Stadium, but ultimately... When the football's okay, when you're doing okay on the pitch, the atmosphere is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, um, just you know, as a, a again uh, to 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 prove the point again, um, the, the the last game that I got I got to last season was we played QPR at home um, and we lost one nil. It's the worst game of football I've seen in years at any level. To be fair, um, whenever so, you know, call me ignorant, but whenever, if whenever I see that fixture on BBC Sport or on the the um, Flash Score app or whatever, Stoke v QPR, I'm just like, I look at it and I just think to myself, why bother? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? uh, I, if I I certainly felt you know when I came out of that guy, why did I bother? Um, we had eighty two percent possession, and we didn't have a shot on goal until about seventy fifth minute. It was shocking. That's rough. Um, and and the atmosphere was bloody appalling. QPR needed to win to stay up, to, yeah, and and obviously they, they managed it. And all all the noise, all the racket was coming from their end. And I think there was, you know, there wasn't. A, I don't think it was even a Delilah that day. There was just, a, you know, moans, groans, and the odd boo. In fact, I think we got to the point in the second half, people couldn't even be asked to boo. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's uh, 
it, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the point being, the football was crap. The atmosphere was crap. You know, that <laughs> you go through your peaks and troughs. Um, Dave, I'm quite conscious that we we've we've not got a, a huge amount of time left, and we've been over some fascinating stuff just now. Obviously, your experience uh, writing the book. Uh, your work with Alistair Town as well, though you, you've only touched on that briefly, so we'll, we'll maybe come back to that in another episode. But just before we wrap up, if you just tell us what your plans are for the blog, um, for Forgotten Clubs. Obviously, you you you, you blogged yourself, so um, what's your plans for for our little, well, for Phil's former blog, I suppose? But now that you're the the editor in chief, uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about your plans for it before we finish up. Well, I think I think it's a case of you know, evolution, not, not revolution really, because it, it's, it was a great blog to start with. Um, the, the book itself is absolutely fascinating. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a gold mine of, you know, it, it to me, it, it's all, it all comes back to place and that's what, that's what attracted me to it. Uh, and then, you know, when you start kicking ideas around with the guys, you know, it's like, well, there's loads of different, little avenues you can go on you using you know forgotten football clubs as the overall context so you know my you know the the the, the stuff that i've contributed so far for example you know is around you know forgotten non-league clubs mm. um uh which, which you know some you know fascinating stories behind i mean the the, the last the, the the last one i did about colin dynamos yeah yeah yeah, it was weird at the back end of the eighties because, you know, you, you didn't have social media and whatnot, and you know, it's, 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 this you know whisper came around about this non-league team who were paying you know massive wages and they were going to get in the football league, and you know they got Alan Kennedy playing for them, and you know Burn, you know they you know they were up there paying better money than Burnley, and mm. you know. And and then you know they they failed to get into the conference because the ground and having been to Cone's ground, um, because it, it ain't changed much since since the late eighties. I can understand why, you know they they didn't you know they they were, it held back their progress, um, mm-hmm. because it's you know they they it's probably step four standard at uh, at, at non league level, which you know conference is like step step one um you know so i can i can see why but yeah i'm going off on on, on one a little bit but no, not at all not at yeah, all the, the, the forgotten football clubs sort of context and you know everything oh, yeah, we, we've talked about forgotten football competitions you know um forgotten football heroes and that you know stories related to players and 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 managers that may have come out of, of, of forgotten clubs. And the other thing that was um, interesting for me, uh, and it, it, I've got a, a future piece lined up for it. My business partner, Andy, um, he, he lost his dad last year. Uh, and his dad his dad was a decent amateur footballer back in the day. Uh, and he played for New Brighton. Uh, and New Brighton had two football league teams they had new new brighton tower and, and new brighton uh obviously new brighton doesn't have a football club anymore unless you count Asheville, who yeah, in yeah. also uh-huh. um and um his dad played for Asheville as well um so you know that again that i you know, talked to andy about new, new brighton and um i thought yeah that's you know that that that's got to go in yeah, yeah uh, but what, 
absolutely. What, what, what's brilliant about it is uh, is the talent that's um, you know associated with 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 the blog. You know yourself, Phil. You know Graham, Chris, and some really really talented writers. And and you know I I, I love I love reading. You know what what's for me the the reading of, of, of you know the stuff that you guys do is better than the the contributions. Um, so I you know I I just I'd like the blog to become you know a, a go to place for for you know uh, I don't know for, for football geeks if you like. <laughs> That's the same, and I think um I've been the same. It's been really interesting um watching it evolve into this giant concept that's really encompassing everything. Uh, appreciate the kind words as well. I haven't contributed to anything yet, but I'm sure the other lads will will enjoy it. It's been great meeting you know meeting you all and and just chatting away and. Look, Dave, I'd, I'd love to be able to speak to you more, but unfortunately, we've not got a huge amount of time left, so I'm going to need to wrap things up there. But uh, for all our listeners, uh, you can check this episode out on Apple and Spotify when it's up, along with all of our other content. You can check that out on our link tree, our Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, going to need to do a very, very quick getaway here just because of the time we've got. So say, Dave, sorry, say goodnight to all of our listeners. Super. Thanks. I really appreciate our Rory. That's been brilliant. And, uh, you know, thanks for the kind words. Mm. And we'll see you all again next time. Goodbye.